Welcome everyone to the Future Shock episode seven, the greats. What does that mean? We're going to tell you in a second. But first, thanks for listening. If you are a repeat listener or repeat watcher on our YouTube channel, hello. If you're new, welcome. Uh, my name is Christian Lagarde with Lagarde Consulting. Uh, of Map Advising. I'll bring up our logos here so you see us. There we are. Um, you've seen us before. Uh, so yes, the greats. We almost called this resignation, but that was a little too close to one we've done before. This is sort of a uh, almost a part two to the great resignation, as we'll get into in a moment. But I would definitely call it. I would definitely call it a part two. And the reason why we're calling it a part two is because this is still a this is still a hot topic. This is still happening within the world. The great resignation isn't going anywhere. Uh, actually, it's still picking up more steam. The data that we're looking at and the research that we we even did from the from our episode number seven is still relevant. Why we're calling this the greats is because in our research and some new articles that have came out and what we've been seeing is there's there's a, there's other great R's now, Matt. So it's not just the great resignation. There's some other greats, and we're going to talk about that. But first, uh, Matt's going to describe and talk about a little bit about what we, what we've seen with attitudes at work and changes on attitudes on work uh, with what's happening with the great resignation. And this is a multi-generational, uh, this is a multi-generational issue. This is just millennials or Gen X or Gen Y or what have you. Uh, so yeah, Matt, you wanna tell them a little bit about what we found? Yeah, absolutely. And as you can see, we found some nice pictures of exacerbated folks here. But um, <laughs> so attitudes and work that are really changing. We'll get into the moment, or we'll get into the data in a moment here. But what we're talking about here is how people's approach to work, what they're, looking for in work, um, what they expect as far as a career pathway. And so we're not just talking salary and benefits, but sort of who they want to work for and how much more that might align with their identity and how much more crossover there is between the personal and professional than there used to be and how that's really changing. And that the, the pandemic really highlighted that people realized they weren't happy or they were happier working from home. We talked a little bit about remote work. Once people got a taste of that and realized, oh, I can do my job pretty well from home, at least a few days a week. No, I don't want to go back to the office. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, it had to, and some employers accommodated that and some didn't. And I think we're seeing that all shake out now. But moving on to the data here. Uh, so this is from the Edelman Trust. Uh, they are a marketing research firm. They did this survey in several countries, including the United States and the UK, and they asked folks who were leaving, you know, either currently changing a job um, or, or who were thinking about leaving, um, why, why they were doing that. 59% said better fit with my values, 50% said better fit for my lifestyle, only 31% said better compensation or career advancement, uh, much lower than you would expect. It's, it had a lot more to do what was personally fulfilling, where they want to feel more valued, something that you know aligns with who they are more so than before. And this this data that Edelman did, this is exactly aligned with the trends of the Great Resignation. It's not just about the pandemic. It's not just about the pressure of of the the work that they're doing that they want to find something else to do. It, it's all it's not, and it's not about money, obviously. So that that is a this just validates the trend of the great resignation and the fact that 60% are looking for a better fit of their values over, over money and even, even career achievement that they're willing to potentially take a lateral move or step down even to, to be with a company that's, 
that fits better with their values and their lifestyle that they want, as Matt said, remote work. That this is this is very interesting, and this is a big transition in the world of work right now. Absolutely. So speaking of the Great Resignation, so episode five, we talked a lot about the Great Resignation and really dove into it. So what we found and what we've uncovered is some other R's. So the the, the name of this episode, kind of the focus of the episode here, is a great number of the great R's. Uh, and the three that we're going to talk about in some detail today, uh, that we're going to discuss today is about the, the great rudeness, the great reset, and the great reshuffle, all connected to the great resignation. But we're going to hit each one of these in particular. So let's jump into the great. And we have reshuffle. our own. We have a surprise at the end. We oh, have our own. Right. We do have our own. Yes. I'll see. We, we're giving them a spoiler. We're going to tease them a little bit here, Matt. But yeah, so spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, our own is coming. So yeah, we, we, we felt, you know what? Everybody else has a great R. Why don't we have our own great R? Yeah. So yeah, so we came up with We'll incentive own. to stick around till the end or at least fast forward the video to the end or the podcast to the end, whichever you're listening to. <laughs> the next three are pretty fun too. So fun. Yeah, but don't miss the middle. Don't do that. That's right. That's right. So the great, the great rudeness. And one of the quotes that I took from this article was, was this. Leisure and hospitality workers might be saying, to the hell with this, leaving their job, putting their job, on account that Americans deciding to behave like pack of escaped animals. So for those that are in the that are in hospitality or those that have experienced this in a restaurant or in public, um, we are, we are a little bit. And this could be a little bit of pandemic, you know, cabin fever. We're getting about moving about the country now, doing some things, but it seems like etiquette and and just common decency has now been thrown out of the window. And when you're coming back to, a, to your job, if you work in a hotel, if you're front desk or server or doing who knows what in, in hospitality and people are treating you rude, you know what? I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out. The hell with this. I'm leaving. I'll go find something else. I'll go find something else to do. And I can't, you know, I really can't blame them. I've even experienced it or watched it even myself you know, at some places. Um, but yeah, the fact that we are behaving like escaped zoo animals is, is exactly that. So no, to no fault of your own, you know, the hospitality and leisure industry are already under, have already, has, have already historically had, I should say, bad turnover and high turnover rates. This is exacerbating the problem because why am I doing this? What am I doing? Yeah, these, these poor folks were already used to Americans acting like zoo animals. And now they're acting like escaped zoo animals. <laughs> they're letting loose. With the great rudeness, yeah, and yeah, it, it, but understandably, it's unacceptable. Well, why would you Why would you stay in a job um, that, especially if the conditions of the job aren't that great, the prospects, the pay, the schedule, and on top of all that, you're treated really poorly. What you know, yeah, this this for some people, this was the breaking point is how they were being treated on their job by customers, maybe also by management. True. Nearly 7% of employees in accommodations and food services left their job in August. That's, a, again, high turnover, and it's month over month. So you take you spread that out over, over an annual basis, it's a lot of turnover. So the fact that that's happening just in this past month, we're in October now, this happened in August. Uh, this one also shocked me a bit. Airlines in the United States reported that in June 2021, the number of unruly passengers had already broken records doubling previous all-time pace of orneriness of passengers. So, and it's not the ones that are getting thrown off because they're you know, having an episode or whatever. This is the fact that unruly passengers 
mask related, perhaps, what have you. But the fact that the airlines are now also trying to claw themselves back into yeah, a, yeah. you know, into into the into the black from being in the red over the 2021 and 20, you know, 2020 year of the pandemic. Now they have to deal with this. So to Matt's point, what am I doing this for? I'm not, there's no way I want to deal with this. I'll go find something else to do. The pay's not that great. Uh, you know, the the lifestyle that you get with it is fine. You know, the, the fact that you know, so you're in this, you're in this exciting, exciting space of hospitality, but the fact that you have to deal with this uh, is causing is causing some issues. With, and, uh, and one of the most interesting parts of that last stat is who knew there was a data point on unruly passengers and airlines. <laughs> airlines right. were tracking unruly passengers and we didn't even know it until now. <laughs> good point. Good point. I mean, my guess is the airlines probably track a lot, a lot of these things because yeah. you know, that this is it may even be required by the FAA. You know, that they're, they're sort of tracking passenger, passenger things like that. So yeah, the next yeah. one is the great reset. Um, similar to what I've caused the great pause when you know I can't coin it, I haven't trademarked it yet, but this great reset, and a lot of it is by the eliminating of the office as a physical presence by many by many people, that the pandemic may have downgraded work as a centerpiece of their identity. So there is more of that life and that work-life balance. And the priority now is, wait a minute, I was, I've been, you know, I've been home, I was away from the office, I did my, like Matt was saying earlier, did my job, and I even had more time to spend with my family. I was there for breakfast, I was there for dinner. I wasn't in a long commute. I didn't have to deal with that with that for a long time. I kind of liked it and I kind of liked being that. So maybe work, I'm not as identifying with my work as, as I did before, doesn't define me. So that that reset and that and the, the, the pause of the pandemic is causing a lot of questions to be asked at, at, at said dinner table uh, with, with the family. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand reset, right? So it's sort of meaning we're resetting the conditions or how we're resetting the approach to work. But reset to me also means going back to an earlier state, which I don't really think is what's happening. We're not, you know, we're not going back to the way things were five years ago or 10 years ago. It's a brand new landscape. So the, the great reset doesn't quite resonate with me as a term for it. It seems like there's a lot of folks vying for what the term for what's happening is, right? And great reset is one of them among the great resignation, although we're hearing most about the great resignation. But we, I don't think we found the right term yet, but maybe, we, maybe we've got it, Christian. Maybe we've got it, exactly. Maybe we have the great, the great, yeah. oh, great reset. And then, you know, some other data points of this great reset, the fact that a share of Americans who said that they plan to work beyond the age of 62 has fallen to its lowest number since 2014. Well, that's another component of this great reset and this great, you know, with this idea of maybe I don't want to work all the way to the end. Maybe I do want to enjoy my life a little bit more. And workism isn't going away. There's still going to be workaholics. There's still going to be people that are all in on work and work defines them, et cetera. But there's definitely a waning of that. And because of the Great Reset, because of what happened during the pandemic, there could be some, you know, some thoughts around what does about the future of work look like for me? What does the future of work look like for employers, for employees that want that work-life balance and do want that delineated between the two? And we'll put up a bigger wall between work and life, and maybe we'll spend more time, you know, away from the office and away from the work mindset. Yeah, you know, so 
just pausing on the concept of workism for a moment, maybe this is a slight tangent, but do you often hear folks that kind of define themselves or maybe define their productivity level by how much they're working? You know, I worked 10 hour day today, 50 hour a week, 60 hour a week. Um, we've also called, I've heard folks call this sort of the, you know, the busyness, you know, I, showing how busy I am shows how productive I am. And maybe it's also a proxy for success. And um, I don't know. I mean, like I, I would challenge that. It, I, I, I've certainly been caught up in that before too, that I've got to stay busy. I've got to work more hours and that's going to get more done. And then I'm going to do better. Um, I don't know. Where, where are you at with that idea, Christian? I love the four hour work week. So I don't know if you've read that book. We're not promoting it. It's not I have it, but I'm aware. Of, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, it's not this, they're not sponsoring this podcast. They're not sponsoring this, this YouTube video. But yeah, that is exactly, that's exactly what I've heard. Uh, and, you're, and you're spot on. Because you work 12 hours doesn't mean you got anything done. It doesn't mean you, start, you, would, you were doing something. You were staring at a computer for 12 hours. It, it shouldn't be the time should be the measure of productivity. Yeah, people pride that on them, put a sort of a badge on their shoulder. Oh, I work 60 hours a week. Oh, I work 80 hours a week. Well, you know, that's, look at me, right? Where that's the, where we've, we've um, idealized it to the point where that was the case of success. I'm so busy. Yeah. That, that's, not, that's not helpful. It's not helpful to your organization. It's definitely not helpful to you. And it's definitely not helpful. I was gonna say, I, I don't know how, how good it is for you as a person, <laughs> you know, how healthy it is mentally or physically or, or what have you. I mean, it, and there's a difference obviously between those of us that work in an office at a desk in this business. And some people do have to work a lot of hours in order to make enough money to pay the bills. And that's not what I mean. I, I'm talking about um, the folks that are salaried, let's say, you know, and it doesn't matter how many hours, but it's sort of a competition sometimes of who's working more hours that day or that week. <laughs> it doesn't mean much compared to what, what are you, you know, what you're doing or producing or how you're, supporting your organization, how you're supporting your colleagues, which I think right. are better measures. What that, what that leads to, what that leads to is burnout. What that leads yeah. to is turnover because it's unsustainable. You can't do it for long. And if you keep doing that and you keep burning the, the, that 80 hour and you, you're not getting ahead or you're not, you're not moving up or you're really not, what are you doing in that 80 hours that's really making some, some impact to your work and to yourself? Um, it's, it's unsustainable and it just cause, it causes for more problems than, than not. So if yeah. anything, yeah, you need to redefine, you need a little time management uh, check and see what exactly you're doing with those 80 hours. Are they productive? Could you be doing it a little bit differently or more effective? More effective? And the expectation for, employ for employers to want their employees to work 60 to 80 hours a week. Well, that's another whole podcast. But we'll do that next time. But yeah, you're right. That, yeah. is, that is also something. The expectation from the employer for that um, is incredibly unfair and uh, could cause some problems in the workplace as well. Yeah, I think we're moving away from the model of um, if I hire you as a full-time employee, I own your entire life. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't think that's gonna work for people anymore. You know, the expectation is you don't have two full-time jobs, you know, and that if you're salaried, you're basically on call for work <laughs> any day of the week, any hour of the day, you know, depending on how good the work-life balance is your employer. But I think that's going to, that's going to corrode or it already is corroding in this whole great reset, great, re you know, whatever we call it. Agreed. So, Agreed. 
our final our final one that we found in the in the data uh, in the in the in our research is something called the great reshuffling. And one one sizable element of this great reshuffling is about what are people doing now with the reshuffle of those employees that lost their job, got laid off, got furloughed, and didn't come back. What happened to those workers? What what are they doing now? So we as we dug into this great reshuffling a little bit more, we went and found some data. And this is what, what if you're looking at it on the screen, if you're on YouTube, but for what we're, what we're talking about is this surges of mm -hmm. business applications, new business applications that happened during the pandemic. So this would have been the summer, the big spike happened in mid 2020 and exploded for the rest of 2020. So between July and December of 2020, it just kept going. And when we're talking about explosion, we're talking about from 240,000 to 560,000 new business applications, which meant entrepreneurship was happening. The great reshuffling meant you yeah. didn't have a job, you didn't go back to that job, you, you may have started a business, or you became a gig worker, or you became a 10 and I employer or whatever. So the fact that it jumped that high, and these are these are not sole proprietors, right? These are these are people that applied for EIN number. So this is hard, like LLCs, C corps, B corps, the, the mm -hmm. S corps, the like. So mm -hmm. that fact that they were establishing companies, not, 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 not becoming a sole proprietor, doing it in their name, they they were applying for businesses. This is this is very telling to what happening during the great reshuffling. And I don't, it doesn't seem like from the data we're looking at, that's going to slow down anytime soon. So it looks like entrepreneurship is here in a big way. Yeah. I, th this this graph is really interesting because you can see the pandemic unfold in it. You see in 2020, this sharp decline in, in the applications for EINs, like you said, where the pandemic hit and people, if they were thinking about starting a business, were like, wow, not a good time. Everything's shutting down. I'm going to put a pause on that. And then, you know, as we start dealing with the pandemic more and more, things are maybe reopening or we're adjusting. This starts to skyrocket, you know, through 2020 into 2021 of everybody saying, yeah, this is time for me to start something new. This is right in the period probably where people lost jobs, were laid off, their hours were cut, um, and they turned around and said, I'm going to take that idea and turn it into something finally and started a new business. Um, and yeah, this, this the reshuffling, I think, is this just dramatically changed the, the labor market. Um, and then when employers in 20 21, you know, late 2020, 2021, we're trying to reopen, rehire people and try to go back to the same talent pools. They weren't there. Uh, they started businesses. They moved. They got another job. Um, and here's some of the data that shows that. The fact that one, one of the other things that I found even more recent uh, to this was, was because of this, because of this great reshuffling and to exactly what you just said, they, these employers went back to the same talent pool, said, Hey, we're open. And they, and employers said, you know what? I'm not coming back. I can make $20 an hour hustling in my own business. I can make what I was making, setting my own hours, being my own boss, moving forward. I'm not coming back to this job. So this is also, this reshuffling is also putting pressure on employers for equity of pay mm -hmm. and pay increases. Now, this yeah. is not us talking about raising the minimum wage and things like that. This is over and, this is over and above that because yeah. what's happening is, I think in this world and through this lens, of starting a new business and in this great reshuffling that people started to realize and in that downgrade of their lifestyle too. So this also plays into the great resignation because I think as, 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 as people started to realize how much they actually have to make to survive, how much they actually have to make to live, they found, they, they found their new baseline. 
Yeah. So finding that new lower baseline, then they said, well, okay, well, I could, if I only need this to live and I could go out and start a new business and I can do something for myself instead of, instead of, you know, getting a job or going back to the job I really didn't like, uh, regardless of the pay. That's also, I think that also helped push this up through the top. And I think it's continuing the pressure of employers still having now hiring signs all over the place because of this exact reason. And I don't know what, to that point, Matt, I don't know what the labor pool is going to look like. That talent pool may be changed forever. And I don't know where they're going to find their employers, honestly. Yeah. And when we were talking about this before, Christian, we talked about how uh, you know, in the economic metrics, we talk about consumer confidence and where that's at in relation to how the economy is doing. And this really shows sort of this increase in worker confidence or employee confidence or, you know, I I want more. I see my value now. Maybe I didn't before. And I really believe in what I can do and my skills. And I'm going to go start a business or I'm going to go get another job. I'm going to go back to school and do something better. Um, I think we saw this big increase. I think this sharp increase is this is what happened with worker confidence. If we had such a metric, which maybe we should. Exactly, exactly. I 100% agree. So this was one of my favorite R's up until Matt came up with the idea for our R. So Matt, I hand it up to you to talk about our great R. Okay, the unveiling of our R, the great reimagining of work. So. In discussing this, Christian and I were thinking about how none of those R's quite cut it. They're, they're getting at the resignation. Yes, that's something that's happening. A lot of people were leaving or considering leaving. Things are being reshuffled. Things are being reset. But I, it doesn't quite encapsulate. It didn't seem grand enough almost. It didn't seem great enough to call it reset, reshuffling, um, or uh, what was our resignation in the great resignation. But we, So we call it the great reimagining. And what this is, is that work is becoming a larger part of individual identity than ever before. So that's not a brand new concept. Um, I, for a lot of people, their identity was closely tied in with what they did for a living. But it wasn't, there was still kind of a separation for a lot of people. There was still, this is what I do during the day. And then this is my life at night on the weekends with my family. And there's this, this wall there. And now that that's becoming blurred, people are working from home and things like that. People want jobs that really um, align with who they are and what they want to do with who they want to be in the world. So if a business is not aligned with personal values, someone is less and less likely to go work for them. Someone whose values aren't aligned with that business. Um, and businesses really, really need to think about that. Um, it ties into that element study that you yeah. showed. I had like 50, 59%, 60% wanted to have a job that better line with their values. So their identity is definitely is definitely a little bit more, it, it will is tied, is tied to their work moving forward. Yeah. And then when people got a taste of being able to work from home, even if it's a couple of days a week, they saw that it was possible to get what they needed to get done. Maybe they were even more productive than they were when they were in the office every day. And now they're demanding those kinds of conditions. I want better work-life balance, or I wanna work entirely from home. Um, and if this employer is not gonna let me do that, I might go find another employer who will. <laughs> Going back to who the employer is and their culture and everything, um, which leads into number three here, that business, it, because of all of this, the way that the workforce is approaching work businesses have to think about work differently. They have to reimagine the way they think of work. And one key way they need to do that is being focused on culture, job quality, 
and business identity. Um, so the transactional, we pay this amount per hour, we offer this many benefits, it's not going to cut it anymore for a more informed and, and an increasingly sophisticated workforce. They're demanding more um, than just what are you going to pay me with this, the transactional deal, but who are you as a business? What are you doing in the world? What's it like to work for you? What are the bosses like? What are, the, what are my colleagues going to be like? And, you know, people care about that more and more and more. That's only, it's only going in that direction. And I, I love what you just said. Makes me think about the, the turning point of a when an employee, when an interviewee is actually interviewing the company, right? Like they have, you have questions for me, but I actually have questions for you too, right? So I want to know more about your company. I want to know about what it's like to work here. Tell me about a day in the life of someone who works here. What are you doing outside? What's the social responsibility policies? All those sorts of things. Yeah. Like, well, and interviewees are now asking the interviewer a lot more of these questions. And it's because of that. This is definitely a buyer's market. So it's a buyer's market for someone looking for a job right now because of all the things we're talking about. So to find that and to be able to get to that company that's a better fit for you, that has that culture, has that quality that you want. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, it's, as you said, it's a buyer's market, but the traditional economic measures wouldn't show us that, you know, they show still a relatively high unemployment rate, which would mean that's this, you know, it's a seller's market or it's an employer's market. And it's really not because of how things are changing. I think they were already changing and the pandemic put a lot of this stuff into acceleration and the changes happened faster. People were already thinking like, you know, I think maybe I do want my job to be more like, you know, have the same values as what I do. And then when the pandemic hits, like, okay, that's what I'm going to do now. Exactly. Now, <laughs> now that fits me better. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. I think, is that, I think that's it. That yep. is it. Uh, that was the last slide and that was the end of our discussion. So we hope you enjoyed our great R's. We hope you enjoyed our great R, the, the redesigning of the reimagining of, of work. Yep. Uh, we appreciate the listen. Uh, if you made it all the way to the end, uh, please like, comment, share all yep. uh, for that as well. Uh, we'll be back next month with episode eight. Don't know what the topic's going to be, but it's going to be yep. just But it's going to be just, it's going to be fun and exciting. So yeah, come back and join us again. Exactly. Thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Thanks everybody.